0: Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that were written so long ago that can be so impactful and meaningful for us today. May we take your words and apply them by the Holy Spirit to our lives. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll turn to Joshua 23 this morning, <laughs> we, we've actually come to the end of the book of Joshua. I, we've been here for a few weeks now. I don't know, about 22 or so. Uh, but it's amazing to me what the Lord does, that the Lord would have Joshua write down all the stuff. Because, I mean, this was written by Joshua, and there's some things in there that I'm sitting there going, if I was, if I was writing the book of Alan, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to leave that part out. Uh, let, me, let me take, oh, no, that part I'm going to leave out. And I would make myself look good, right? I mean, that's what most of us would try to do. But Joshua puts in there the good, the bad, the ugly, and the wonderful all kind of rolled up into one, and this is by the help of the Holy Spirit, Secondly, that it would be preserved for us this long. That the Lord would preserve his word for, for thousands of years for us to be able to read. And lastly, that the Lord can relate this story to our everyday lives. These things that take, you know, take, take place so long ago, the, the history that is there. And he says, Alan... This would be good for you to learn today. This would be good for you to teach today. And then he says, okay, Alan, now that you've learned it, you need to start applying it. You see, it's not just about learning. It's about what we do with what we learn. It's applying it to our lives. We don't just do this for a test. You know, back in school, did you ever study for a test and then immediately forget all the information? Yeah, we can all relate to that. But this is not just for a test. This is about our life and what the Lord is trying to do and the, how we should act upon the things that we learned. Well, let's jump into Joshua 23. It says, After a long time has passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. So again, those are the first 22 chapters, the seven years of all the fighting and taking, coming into the promised land, taking it over, all that happening, and now the Lord has given them rest from their enemies. Joshua by then, a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. He's basically saying what they all knew. I mean, Joshua was 40 years older than anybody else. He was the last one that was in the promised land before they came in, or, you know, in the wilderness from that generation. He's the last one alive at this point. He would have been somewhere around 110 years old. We find that out a little later. And and this is is key for the Jews. This is key for all those that were in the wilderness. Verse 3, it says, You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It it was the Lord your God who fought for you. And now you're going to hear a theme. You're going to hear several phrases that, that continue here. And he says, Remember, How allotted an inheritance for for your tribes, all the land of the nations that remained. The nations I've conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Now, Joshua really starts to kind of open up here at the end. The book is called Joshua, but what he's saying is, this is not about me. He didn't name the book Joshua. Others that came later said, well, you know, the book of Joshua, you know, the the thing that Joshua wrote. So they finally just said, call it Joshua, you know, so we can all get to know. But this is about the Lord and our walk with the Lord. The reason why he's calling everybody together and talking to everybody is because he's not going to be around to to nag them in, into obedience. You know, you, you know, mom and dad, uh, you know, the kids—they finally get to a certain age. And they're stay around your house and you can nag them right? Ken and Donna. I mean your daughter was living there for, for a while. she recently got married and, and she's no longer at home so you have to pick up the phone to nag them now. you know they're not around every day to, to nag you and I mean for, you know, to nag and this is what Joshua is saying here. he's not going to be around to nag them unto obedience. And Joshua you know has to do this. You, remember, you might remember several times he calls everybody together and says, guys, what are you doing? Why are you going down this path? Why did you make that decision? But they're not always going to be able to rely on Joshua. He will not always be there to, to, to correct them, to spank them in a sense, or, or to tell us or you know, what they should be doing, or to encourage them. He's no longer going to be there eventually for that. Joshua all of a sudden realizes, I don't have much time. So guys, this is about you and the Lord your God. That's what Joshua is trying to tell Israel, the leaders. Almost like it's an implied question, Is this the Lord your God? Are you going to follow Him? Because if it is, you need to remember everything that we've gone through and you need to ask yourself, are you following the Lord? Has this become your battle yet? In other words, I'm fixing to be gone. Are you going to battle this? Are you going to walk in this? In verse 6, he goes on, he says, Be very strong to be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without, a turning, without turning aside to the right or to the left. You know, this is very interesting. Joshua is speaking to the leadership of Israel. These guys have fought right along beside Joshua in the battles. And Joshua did, did not sit back and just let them fight. He was right there beside them. He was involved in the battle. And sometimes he was in the front, sometimes he was in the back, sometimes he was in the middle, sometimes he was on top of the hill, but he was there with them. So, he is talking to some courageous men here. This is not a bunch of politicians that kind of, you know, on the whim of, of how the wind is blowing, they change their mind or whatever. You know, these leaders are the, are the ones that are getting things done. These leaders are the ones that are involved. These guys were with him. These guys were not staying in the background. You know, uh, the, the, you know the, they're just there and one day we'll talk about the you know the subject of critiquing these guys you know they weren't the ones sitting back going well Joshua in that battle you should have done this this or this because they were right there beside Joshua and one day we'll talk about critiquing and and uh, you know versus critiquing versus voicing an opinion and and uh, I don't think we're going to go there today but but these guys were involved and that is who he's talking to these guys were warriors he was talking to, to hundreds and hundreds of leaders that developed under him. These guys were veterans. They were feared for hundreds of miles in this region. Israel was like the top dog at this point. The people groups in that area feared Israel. And he tells them something. He tells them, you men, you men of great courage. I'm going to ask you to do something that will take more courage than you've ever had to use before. The courage Is to serve the Lord after I'm gone. I'm sure this had to be confusing for them. After everything they'd been through, this you know you know this thing should be kind of an easy thing to do. But this is a whole new type of courage. It's not to turn from the Word of God. Can anybody relate to that? Life is about choices. Like we talked about in communion, so many choices we make, and he's saying make the choice to not turn from the word of God. You know, you're going to be attracted in, in so many different things, especially the Philistines and the Philistine country. And, you know, the Philistines had incredible technology. For those that like history, you ever hear of the Iron Age? That's the Philistines right there. And Israel was not in the Iron Age. Israel didn't have a lot of iron. They captured a few chariots, and what did God tell them to do? You need to burn those chariots right now. That's not for you right now. Now... I say a few chariots, it was like 20,000 in that battle that we talked about earlier. This is like for us, you know, this would be like uh, uh, the Peruvians down in Peru defeating, you know, the United States and having 20,000 new Humvees or tanks and saying, okay, let's just dump them off into the ocean and get rid of them. Is that kind of smart thing to do? Well, in a worldly way, no. But God is saying, you're not going to rely on that stuff because you need to rely on me. I will take care of you. I mean, to think that God would continue to keep them from something like that is, and all he's saying is, not yet, not yet. It's going to be bad for you if you're drawn into that kind of stuff right now. And Joshua's saying, after I'm gone, I'm not so sure you're going to burn those chariots. After I'm gone, I think you guys are going to be pretty impressed with the Philistines and the other countries around here, the other groups I mean, there were still giants in the land, and and it was hard for, for you to keep fighting them. And I had to tell you, to not deviate from the word of Moses and not to deviate from the law. Joshua knew the law of Moses. I mean, at that point, there was only five books written. And what's amazing is the book of Joshua was considered scripture as it was being written as an amazing thing. The commander of all of Israel at this point, also writing scripture and living it out right in front of them. Talking about a transparent life. So he's saying, guys, are you going to you going to, to be courageous? This was the guy who at the beginning of all of Israel the angels and the Lord, you know, met with regularly and had to tell, you know, they had to tell him to be courageous and to not fear. Joshua so many times met with the Lord and the Lord had to tell him, don't be fearful. Fear not he said. It was only a few chapters ago that the Lord, you know, once again was telling Joshua to fear not. Now, there's a healthy fear that we should always have. The one that says Lord, help me. I don't know how to do this. That's a good fear to to come across something and say, I just don't. I, I'm, I just don't know what to do here. But the fear that I'm talking about this point is an unhealthy fear. It's that humanness of I don't know how to do this, so therefore I'm just going to quit, and not even try. It's that fear of running away. We fear so many things, don't we? I mean, the the top one we fear is what death we all fear that until we start to realize that death here on earth is not death because we are alive again in Christ and that's a hard concept to 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 work our minds around and to gather around but we also fear, you know have the fear of not being able to find work our fear of losing that job the fear of getting sick or this past year the fear of getting the virus And how's it going to affect me? Or we have the fear of the teacher. Sorry, Donna. That's twice I've called you out today. And Sharon. You know, the fear of not getting good grades. Or the fear of what I'm doing right now. The fear of getting up in front of, you know, speaking. I was talking with a, a young man yesterday, and we were talking about different stuff, and, and I, uh, they were talking about how Brandon kind of has, we, we started a new uh, karate thing, because Taekwondo, his Taekwondo closed down, and so he's starting a new uh, karate, and I was talking to one of the young guys, it's also a sensei, a teacher, already has his black belt at a young age, and and they were like, "Well, and Brandon just has no fear. He's just going for it. You know, he's dedicated. He he has you know that drive about him." I said, "Yeah." In third grade, he gave like an hour and fifteen pre, uh, an hour and fifteen minute presentation in, in class about NASA, and and the, the young man just goes, "I would have never, never done that." You know, we have all sorts of different fears. Joshua would say. Your baseline for courage has to be your walk with the Lord. That's where you get your courage. That's where your foundation is. The foundation for your courage is not your you know your, your your bravado. The the you know let's psych each other up. Let's get all excited about it. You know let's you know the team gathering around and everybody just getting all just you know wild and crazy right before they go out on the field and they go out on the field just hollering. No, that's no. Our foundation is the Lord Himself. It's His strength. It's His wisdom. It's not ours. Because that is not enough. The baseline is walking obedience to God. We have to be like, Lord, you're the one I'm going to follow. You're the one that I'm going to walk with. You're the one that's walking along beside me. But when I get away from that, what happens? We go towards sin. And each and every one of us has experienced that at one time or another, sometimes on a daily basis. I don't know why it is, but it seems to be easier for women to admit that they fear certain things. I mean, women will be like, no, no. that, No, I'm not going over there. That's too dark right now. You know, and, and men are like, what? Uh, let me just go, you know. And, you know, for some reason, women, uh, you know, what was that you're smart yeah i won't say what you're denoting toward uh, the men there but i'll just leave that you know but also the women will say you now i'm not saying all women okay (laughs) you go deal with that mouse or that noise or whatever i mean like do you think men like mice i'll go deal with it you know Oh, honey, I love that. I'm a hunter-gatherer. Let me go chase that mouse. I'll be right back. Anyway, I better get back to the word. So. Um, but the fear of God, the scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is, is clean, David says. Job also talks about this. They are saying to fear God is to not fear everything else. It is to walk in faith and be like Joshua and be like all those other courageous men of the Bible who were not perfect but walked in faith. To say, I have courage now. And it came from the Lord. God comes to Joshua and says uh, that fear in your life is normal. But that's okay. I'll take that burden on so we can move ahead. And soon those around you will say, Man, they are, man, look at Joshua. He's fearless. Even though the leadership is shaking in their boots, they're following Joshua because Joshua seems like he's fearless because he's following the Lord. The Lord gives us courage. God has been so gracious to me because just when I get uh, comfortable with how things are, he stretches me a little bit. Don't you love that? You know, again, I keep using my kids, and this is bad. They used to be out of the service, and now they're in the service. So every time I say their name, they're like, huh? And they listen up. But I was talking with, you know, it's been a year since Brandon done the, uh, has done the Taekwondo thing. So, so he hasn't been doing his push-ups and sit-ups and those things just because, you know, you get used to doing other stuff, like playing on the computer with your friends and all those things, you know? So I'm like, well, you need to start doing that again. And he's like, but it hurts a little bit. And I'm like, Yeah. You've got to do enough that your muscles will hurt. You've got to stretch a little bit. Be uncomfortable a little bit. Not overdo it, but that's how you build your muscle. The same thing with the Lord. How do we build our spiritual muscle? By the Lord stretching us. By him making us uncomfortable at some point. Joshua's fought battle after battle, but has not fallen in love with how he did it. I, I can't tell you one battle in the scriptures over those seven years that we studied that he did it exactly the same way. He doesn't go, well, we've always fought battles this way, so let's do it this way. Or it's always worked if we do it this way, he allows God to move him forward and to mold him and to go, okay, now I'm going to flip it. I'm going to change it. I need you to do it this way. He gets with the Lord and says, how do you want me to live my life, Lord? How do you want me to fight this battle? Because what worked, worked at Jericho didn't work, to, didn't work at the, the town of Ai. It didn't work at, at the other places, you know, we're, uh, up at Gideon and, and different places, And the Lord says something very interesting to Joshua. And personally, I don't like this about the Lord, but at the same time, I kind of do. He built the man. He built Joshua by increasing the opposition. Think about that for a second. God increased the opposition so Joshua would have to fight even harder but he had to go to the Lord first to be able to do those battles. We're going to go into the book of James after Easter, you know, after our Easter series we're going to do, and that's going to talk a lot about that stuff, about increasing the opposition and God building us up through that opposition. Joshua grew as a leader, And as a man of God, because the Lord allowed him and helped him fight bigger and bigger battles in his life. And if Josh, you know, if he would have showed Joshua the biggest battle he would fight at the very beginning, Joshua would have been like, "No, I'm done. Pick somebody else." But the Lord had him fight one battle, and then a little bigger battle, and then a little bigger battle in life. And by the end, he could he could work and and because he knew to go into the Lord, and he could win that big battle but he'd learned that he could win it. The Lord didn't make it easier. The Lord made it harder and made him into a man of faith. We need to say, Lord, make me into a man of faith. Make me into a woman of of courage. Make me accomplish great things for you. Show me miracles. Show me your power. Show me your strength. And it sounds really good while saying it, but then it really kind of kicks us, you know, kind of gets us going when we're actually tested and we found out, wow, I needed to have that faith in God. Because if I wouldn't have had the faith in God, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have won this battle. You know, the scriptures say some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I will depend on the Lord my God. Joshua continually amazes me. He only got sloppy on uh, on decisions two or three times, but they had a major impact upon Israel. But, But he was continually consulting the Lord. And when he figured out, okay, we messed up on this one, he went to the Lord and said, how do I correct it? How do I correct it? This is the guy who put in his mistakes uh, in the scriptures so that we would learn from them. Peter does the same thing. You know, we like to laugh at Peter in the New Testament, don't we? Oh, silly Peter. Oh, Peter, like you can get out and walk on the water. See, we knew you were gonna fall in the water. Oh, <laughs> you know. We kind of laugh at Peter, but he put himself out there. He said, I want to do that too. Peter was a guy who that volunteered, you know, all the information to Luke. Because Luke wasn't around when Peter was there, when Peter made those comments, so Luke went to the source and Luke started right now. And Peter did this and Peter did that. Peter's like, "Let them laugh at me. That's fine because I have faith in God." David was the same way. All that we would be so mature to show the next generation our successes and our failures to be able to say, "You know what? This part of my life." I really messed up in. And it affected this many people. And then it affected this many people. But I learned from that. So don't make that same mistake. Don't make that same mistake. That we would show our flaws to the next generation, our faults. Some of us are are like, but we're not supposed to be showing our weakness that's what the Lord, I mean, that's what the world says. The Lord says the opposite. In your weakness, I am strong. We need to be teaching that next generation how to be leaders. And it takes our personalities that God has given us. God has given us personalities, right? Right? And some of those traits in that personality are wonderful, great, right? And some of those personalities, you're like going, okay, that's a great personality, but you've taken it to the next like, umpteenth step, and it's really irritating to me right now. You ever had a personality like that? You you guys are looking up here going, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You talk too long. That's your personality. But the Lord takes our personality and keeps the good stuff and tears away the bad stuff. And, And we say, Lord, but this is hard. Can you back off a little bit? Can I get off the ride now? See, religion is a bike with training wheels. And sometimes those wheels get taken off. When you've been around, you know, you've been around the block, you've been having those wheels on, but, but a relationship with Jesus is different. A relationship with Jesus has a motor attached to it. See, religion is not all bad, but take religion and bust through that religion and get to Jesus Religion is, is some of the rituals we do and, and some of the things that, you know, we've always done it that way, and those aren't bad as long as we rely on Jesus at the beginning of all that, but for some reason, religion takes it off, and, and Jesus is like, man, let, let me show, show you what it's really about, and he puts the motor on, and we take off because it involves, you know, uh, being, uh, God being in control of your life. And us willingly giving that control to him. Because there's no longer training wheels on. And all of a sudden you're on a motorbike you know, of, of a ride without those extra wheels. And you're going around the curves and you're on this ride for the rest of your life. But the important thing is that ride takes us all the way to heaven. It's an exciting ride. We go up and we go down. We go up and we go down. But eventually we know that we end up in heaven goes on in verse 11 it says so be very careful to uh, to love the lord your god but if you turn away <laughs> i love this he says to to t- take careful heed is the way of saying that to yourselves in other words to really think about it really be careful here it's an interesting statement he's saying beware of your tendencies you know what he's saying here don't you Your past is in your past, but we have tendencies inside of us. We go to God, and we say, forgive me for this, and God says, clearly I will. I've said if you confess with your mouth, I will forgive you, I forgive you, but now we have to go, okay, I have a tendency toward this, I have to be careful to not go toward that. It sounds simple, right? Is it simple? No. No. And that's why we need the Lord. But instead of going back to those tendencies, we have to say, I am a new creation. Let me tell you who I am now. Let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life and how he affects me. And guess what? We all have those tendencies. Who knows what their tendencies are that could wreck your life. And if, you know, and if I don't know you, you're just in touch uh, with, with these different things and, and because we all have these tendencies. We all have these things in our life. And Joshua is going to them uh, and he's saying, you have tendencies toward idolatry. That's what he tells Israel. And they will say, no, I don't. And he will say, yes, you do. He's going, and I owe it to you as a leader to point it out to you. I, I have noticed that this. Um, there, there are those that grow, grow older gracefully, and there are those that, that grow older kind of. Oh, I don't know. The words coming to my mind I, I shouldn't say, but uh, they become mean when they get older, and they just say it. I'm old enough, I'm just going to say it. You know? And yes, as we get older, we need to say those things. Sometimes we need to go to somebody and say, as a leader, I need to point out to you, this is wrong. And just say it instead of kind of prancing around it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, as we grow older, we have to grow older with grace because grace has to be there when you say it. And you know what? As Christians living in America, what type of tendencies do we have that influence us? How about compromise? You know, I err to the side of conservative things just so I don't get caught up in certain things. Think about substances we could have, or the TV that we watch, or the movies that we see. Why? Because it's hard to come back once you've gone there. That's why we protect our children, right? I mean, that's one of the things with COVID, I, I just... It's just terrible. It's good in some ways, but it ha- can have a bad effect. Is my son has been online a lot more. Why? Well, because he's been talking to his friends and stuff because he couldn't go over to his friends' houses. So playing games online and stuff. And and we make sure he has to ask us about the games and we finally got to a point where he knows what games he's allowed to play and he can download a game because he knows. But at the same time, man, We've given this freedom over on the computer. Could I just go in and say, okay, we're not going to do that anymore now that COVID is over? No. That's the same thing with our life, of, and I'm not equating that with sin, but I'm just saying I'm using an example. It's hard once we've gone there to come back, especially if we've allowed our children to go there. So let the Lord truly be the Lord of what you do and how you do and how you say it. And we need to ask the Lord, what are my flaws in my life that I need to watch out for? You see, we don't stop doing things um, just to please God. We stop doing these things because they wreck our lives. They wreck our lives. Now, a factor of that is pleasing God. Don't get me wrong. The life that Jesus gave us, the life that Jesus died for, And we get wisdom that says, Friday night is not for that anymore as I've grown up. And we get past that, and he says, well, let me talk to you about your relationships. That relationship, that friendship, where you're going with that, that's not a healthy one. Or that friendship where where it's all about negativity, maybe you need to rethink that friendship, because that's not a healthy one. And we hold on to things (laughs) that become really silly. It's like a parent trying to take away poison from their child. You know what I'm saying? This is going to hurt you, son, so let me take that away. But, Dad, I like this. It's mine. It's mine. I saw it first. And a good dad's not going to let it go. Good dad's not going to say, oh, well, I talked, you know, I talked with him about playing with poisons. so, uh, you know, but he took it to his room, and that's okay, but I talked to him about it. No, that's just wrong. That's why, that's why, As as we do computers around our house, the computer's not in his bedroom. The computer's in a place that my wife and I walk by all the time. Why? We can see. We can hear. Until it gets too loud, and I say, Brandon, shut the door, you know, but... I thought that was funny, but if you don't want to laugh, that's fine. See, a good dad will keep the children away from poisons. And as a child, they'll kick and scream through the whole process, but that's because they are children. We are children when it comes to God. Sometimes God pulls us through stuff while we're kicking and screaming, but he takes something away because he says, that is not good for you. He's going to say, you know what? Give me that. No, 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 no. Come over here. Give me that. But why? Never mind. Just give it to me right now. One day you'll understand, but right now we're not even going to talk about it. Well, let's get back to scripture. Verse 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivor of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you, will, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations before you. Wow, that's a pretty, pretty bold statement. Now, before you think, oh, well, this is talking about we shouldn't intermingle between uh, different uh, people groups or different color skins and all, we're not talking about that. He's talking about people who believe, that don't believe in God. Don't believe in the creator of the universe, that the, uh, you know, the, the believe in the God of Molech and, and, and different gods were child sacrifices and all these different things. So we're not talking about you know, skin color here. We're talking about marrying somebody who doesn't believe what you believe. Instead, he goes on, uh, they will come snares and traps for you, whips on your back and thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. Joshua is saying, don't get sloppy, guys, because God has proven himself over and over, and then he will bless, bless you if you follow him and if you don't. See, bad religion says you have to earn God's blessing. This is not true. We do not earn God's blessing. He freely gives it to us when we do what is right. Just like a father Father wants to bless his child. Now, the mercy of God is this. We get to go be with him, even when we don't do what is always right. We get the final blessing of, of being in heaven, and we, don't, we can't earn that. But we don't receive the full measure of blessing on this earth when we don't follow in his footsteps. Joshua saying, God wants to bless you. But when you disobey, the Lord is going to discipline you. He goes on and says in verse 14, Now I'm about to go away from from all the earth. You know with all your heart and your soul that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from the good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. You would think that Joshua could be a little nicer here, Right? It's kind of funny, he uses the word when, not if. A good leader will sometimes just point the finger at you and tell you the truth. And this is what he's doing. This is a biblical model, to tell you the truth sometimes. These guys in the Bible, they tell the truth, and they are copying Jesus. And Jesus gave the full measure of truth with the full measure of grace. Well, let me hit, I'm almost out of time. Let me hit chapter 24, and we'll be done with the book of Joshua here. It says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes in Israel at Shechem, and they presented themselves before the Lord. And he's, you know, he starts talking long ago, your ancestors. And here we see Joshua speak prophetically, like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Uh, you know, and he goes on, and says, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, live beyond the Euphrates River and worship all the gods. And he's basically saying, You know the great heritage we have, and how proud we are of this. And our wonderful God wants to remind you that when the God of Abraham He worshiped God and, you know, the God of Ur and the Chaldeans when God presented himself. And then he started, because they were creation worshipers. They were the new age type of group. It's not so new, is it, right? Creation worshipers. And God is saying, before I saved Abraham, he was one of those creation worshipers, worshiping the land. And they had a tendency to go toward idolatry. And it's a human tendency since the the Garden of Eden to worship lesser gods. Little g, not real gods. And come to find out, it's just creation. It's still a you know, tendency today, you know, we could sit down and write up a, a list of idols for today. You could probably come up with 10 or 12 pretty quickly. Uh, you know, and, and then we need to commit ourselves not to worship those things. I think at this point in time, I think politics would be the first one that ought to be on our list. We don't worship politics. Whether you're on the right, the left, the center, wherever you are in politics, we as a group of Christians should treat each other like a group of Christians and not red, blue, or purple. We have to commit not to worship things that are not of God. This is not a gray area. God doesn't allow it, so he withdraws the blessing from our lives when we start to worship these things, and we're kind of dumbfounded. We're like, where's God? What, what happened? And he will allow us to serve these gods of this world, and he will say, go right ahead. See where it's going to get you. You love God so much? Good. Let it save you. Let it prevent you from this. You know, uh The the gods that that this world of worshiping don't even exist. And Joshua says to them, Abraham was even this way. He let the Lord save him. The Lord can save us from idolatry of any kind. The reason we like the lesser God is so we can manipulate the lesser God. You don't have to manipulate our God. We can't manipulate our God. All we have to do is obey him, and he pours out his blessing upon us. And that blessing is the peace of our lives, the healing in our lives that takes place. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's even a financial blessing, and then we have the burden to turn around and use that for God. But better than financial blessing, wouldn't it be Great to have ultimate peace in this life. Yeah. You can have it when you give it all over to him. Your place in all of this is to obey him. Joshua is saying, keep the idols out of your tents. Verse 16. It says, then the people answered, "Far be it for, for us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It is the Lord God, Lord our God Himself, who brought us up, or brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled." And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We will serve the Lord because he is our God. And in verse 19, he basically says, No, you won't. And it says, And the people said, you were, not a, you were not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God, He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, Joshua said, throw away your foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. These, there are things that are that are there right now where he's saying, come on, guys. I'm talking about if you choose, you choose. And they're like, yeah, we chose. So then the question for us is, have we looked at our home lately? If we say we choose God, have we looked at our home? What idols are in our home that we need to get out of our homes? That's what he's telling them. Get those idols out of your home. Because he knows that partial obedience is what? Full disobedience. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. He was looking for people who walk in obedience to to God. God's blessing is where obedience lies. That's where his blessing is. God's blessing is is where the leadership says, I've cleaned out my house. I am following the Lord. And if you, you, you see anything that is not of God, tell me and I'll get rid of it. Because he is in charge. And we cannot forget that. We have to walk in obedience to the Lord in the year 2021. And where does that start? It starts in our homes. If God calls it an idol, get rid of it. If you really want to be a Christian, then be obedient. And I finish with what Joshua says after everything else. After all the battles... After a long life of serving the Lord, what great advice does he give his leaders? He says to them, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We love that statement. We make it on little boards and we got it up in different places in our house. or We got little stickers on cards. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But we forget about the first part of that saying there. Because we have to choose. Serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. Then choose for yourself. What is interesting is that 110 years old, when he says this, Joshua's is a patriarch of his house but he uses the present tense he says choose this day meaning today starting here no matter after all these battles who are you going to start you know serving today as for me and my house we today we choose to serve the lord so what is he saying his life message is this you have to choose to serve the lord and he says i'm going to follow me but you have to choose He never gets too old to say this. He never goes on autopilot. He chooses every day. This is the day I will serve the Lord no matter what happens, no matter what great challenges come before us, success or failure, downsizing or upsizing, job or no job, health good, health bad, Finance is good, finance is bad. Job good, job bad. Whatever the circumstances my life is, I choose to serve the Lord. That's a choice we all have. We need to get to a point where we say, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to do it today, and I make that decision for my household. This is what the book of Joshua is all about. It's what it boils down to. Who do we say we serve? And do we do that? Well, I am out of town. Why don't we stand and I will pray and our worship leader will, you know, the worship team will come back up and finish this. Lord, we are so so humbled by you, by your perfection, by your choosing of, of different people, different leaders that we look at and we said, there's no way I could be that. And, and then you, you remind us that they were just like us, Lord that chose to follow you. I pray, Lord, whatever lot we have in life, wherever we are in life, that we choose to serve you, that you would continue to bless us. We need that blessing, Lord. But we also need your discipline when we walk away from that. No matter what circumstances we have, Lord, I pray that we choose you. In your loving name, Jesus. Amen.